0: Please. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging was judging Israel at that time. As was said this morning, and I'll just reiterate what was said this morning for those who didn't get a chance to hear it. Because Deborah was a prophetess and was a judge of the children of Israel, many in the church today as well as the denominational world use her as part of their argument that women can be elders, deacons, preachers, and in the public assembly they can be song leaders and leading public prayer, and etc., and other things. Today has been a two-part sermon titled, Women of Strength. This morning, we talked about what women can do biblically in the body of Christ. Tonight, we talk about what women can't do biblically in the body of Christ. Yes, Deborah was a prophetess but there was no indication that she performed the function of high priest or Levite. The International Bible Encyclopedia writes the word prophetess, it should be noted, like women of Miriam, Deborah, Huldah, were not credited with the seers' insight into the future, but were called prophetesses, because of the poetical inspiration of their speech. And we most certainly can see that when we look at Judges chapter 5 and see the duet between Barak and Deborah after the famous battle when they won over Sisera. It's true Deborah was a judge, but it was the high priest and Levites who handled the day-to-day spiritual side, and the judges handled the civil questions. Were judges spiritual people? Sure. Just like there are Christian judges today who may make civil decisions based upon God's Word, but this does not give a Christian criminal court judge the ability to be an elder or deacon in the Lord's church. God's Word does. Whether they're male or female. For those in the church and those in denominations who use Deborah as an example of the ability of women to be elders and deacons today, it's it's a gross misuse of Scripture. Couple that with the fact that the Old Testament is not our guide as Christians today, and the argument should be really quietly laid to rest. Before we consider what women can't do biblically, We must talk about the elephant in the room. There's a large elephant in the room that must be addressed. In the church as a whole, and it may be here at Fountainhead, I've not seen it. But in the church as a whole, in the church universal, there's an element who consider the church of Christ a denomination. That may surprise you. There are two obvious camps. One view says that the church was established by Jesus. The other view says the church was founded by Martin Stone and the Campbells. One camp says the church is not a denomination. The other camp says she is. One group says one must be in the body of Christ to be saved the other group says that anyone in any denomination is right with god one group understands that the name of named church of christ is descriptive of whose church it is it's it's christ church matthew 16:18 the other group uses words like the title of this website where the spirit leads gender-inclusive and egalitarian churches in the Church of Christ heritage. It seems to be the group that uses the words heritage and tradition the most are those who are pressing the most for women in the pulpit. Listen to this verbiage. These are your brethren. I want you to understand that. I'm not picking on a denomination. These are your brethren. Listen to the verbiage. The churches listed below, and they're about to list the churches that are egalitarian and gender inclusive in the Church of Christ heritage. The churches listed below have all become more inclusive to participation by women in the worship leadership. Ministries and teaching, each congregation has decided through much study how inclusive they would like to be. Some congregations are inclusive only in the worship and teaching ministries, while others have removed all barriers to women being able to use the gifts they have received from God. Some of the churches listed are churches with a strong Church of Christ tradition, Church of Christ all being capitalized, who associate with the Churches of Christ all capitalized but do not have Church of Christ in their name. That's one camp. That's one camp. The other says there's only one heritage. There's only one tradition. There's only one truth. There's only one doctrine. There's only one teaching. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's only one we can stand on, and that's Jesus Christ. Everything else is shifting sand. Gregory Allen Tidwell wrote in a 2008 Gospel Advocate article of the growing trend of cafeteria religion, breakfast bar religion, salad bar religion, where you just pick and choose the elements you want in worship. He writes cafeteria religion results from believers abandoning a unified standard of authority. Instead, they pick and choose mismatched elements. From a variety of faiths. One element in the Lord's church has decided to put women elders, preachers, and deacons on the plate. This website hosts, he writes, The guidelines developed for listing these churches are as follows. Okay? If the, an- if the answer to one or more questions is yes, then I will happily Include that congregation in my directory. Here are the questions. Now remember, if one of these questions is yes, He will put you in this directory. Are women welcome to use their gifts in leading worship, leading prayer, giving communion talks, leading singing and or reading Scripture? If yes, they could be on the list. Are women welcome to use their gifts in proclamation by preaching from the pulpit? If yes, then they can be on the list. Are women welcome to use their gifts and knowledge in biblical instruction to teach all age groups regardless of gender and Bible classes? If yes, you can be on the list. Are women welcome to serve in leadership positions such as pulpit minister, worship leader, deacon, and elder, not including positions such as children's minister or women's minister. That's not that's not high enough. If, you, if you're just a children's minister or a women's minister, that's not included. But if you say yes to the others, you can be on the list. Does the church publish a clear statement of purpose to be an egalitarian church? And I had to look that word up. I couldn't remember what egalitarian meant, but it means equality for all. All right? Does the church publish a clear statement of purpose to be an egalitarian church or gender-inclusive church on their website? If yes, you can be on the list. Here's a list of the Tennessee congregations. Murray Hill Church. Notice Of Christ is not on there. Columbia, Tennessee, Russ Adcock, senior minister. I've never understood senior, junior, never understood that. Published on their website, our belief is that women can participate in any activity of the assembly and serve in any capacity of the church with the exception of serving as an elder or senior minister. I guess junior minister is okay. Otter Creek Church of Christ, Brentwood, Tennessee. Mike Runcie, executive minister. Now, here's executive minister. It's different from a senior minister. Josh Graves, preaching and teaching minister. Otter Creek Church invites men and women to serve based on giftedness in ministry, worship gatherings, communion prayers, music, readings, testimony, deacon deaconess, oversight, uh, leadership, all forms of adult education and spiritual reform or formation. We are still wrestling with what it means to be a community-based on giftedness through baptism. This was just added just just a year ago, September 8, 2013. Woodmont Hills Family of God has been added to the list. Dean Barnum, senior minister, received by email, Woodmont Hills Church announced a policy change today that should merit its inclusion on your list. They now allow women to serve in all roles other than elder, pulpit minister, worship leader. They can be other types of ministers, serve as deacons, lead prayers, read Scripture, speak and give devotional messages, serve communion, serve on praise teams, teach adult Bible classes. Here's another group. This is within the church now. This is not outside. I'm not picking on the denominations, please. Here's another group within the church. One voice for change. Who in their vision cry for full gender inclusion in worship and church government. They they write this on their website. Over the past few years, we in the Churches of Christ have discussed at great length the issue of women's roles and gender equality. From these conversations, many women are serving in areas of public worship and leadership that include leading corporate prayers, Scripture reading, passing communion trays, presiding at the Lord's table, leading singing, teaching a Bible class, and in a few cases, Preaching and serving as elders. Now, I mention these not to run people down. That's not my. It may seem like it, but that's not my my reason to run people down. That's not it. But to help us understand the warnings, when you start hearing that kind of talk, when you start hearing that kind of verbiage out there, you need to beware. You need to be warned, and I'm warning you right now because it's just down the road, folks. It's not in some foreign country. It's not some past or future event that's going to happen. It's happening now within the Lord's church and we're, we should be warned. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Matt, you and I were just reading this. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Second Timothy chapter four, verses three and four. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. When Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he used Scripture. There are a lot of arguments for the affirmative use of women as preachers, elders, and deacons in the church. But many of those arguments are not based on Scripture. So today I will only stick with Scriptural arguments. Those in the church use these Scriptures to contend that women can be preachers and elders and deacons. The title of this lesson is The Opposite of This Morning. What Women Can't Do Biblically in the Body of Christ. I'm more persuaded by a Scriptural argument, but I am a man-made argument. So if these arguments hold water then we need to obey them. We've already dealt with one, Deborah. That's an argument that's used. We've already found that argument lacking. But what about 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5. Let me read it, then I'll state the argument. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. Now, head covering coverings are a different sermon. One of you wants me to preach that. One of you asked me just last week if I would preach on that. And I may, because of this, logically, it'll be coming soon, okay? But the word I want to focus on here is prophesies. Because the argument is, since women prophesied in the first century, and prophesying is basically preaching anyway. Why can't a woman be a preacher today? First of all, the totality of God's Word, the sum of God's Word must come into play anytime we use and look at Scriptures in the Bible. We understand from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that spiritual gifts used by the early church are now done away with. Read with me 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, the, then that which is in part will be done away. So whatever the situation was in Corinth, the, the 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 Bible wasn't there yet. God's Word wasn't fulfilled yet in their hands. They needed prophets and prophetesses and they needed spiritual gifts. Whatever the situation was in Corinth, it can't be duplicated today. It's not until... 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 17 that Paul begins to give instructions on the abuses that the Corinthians were using in the assembly. In chapter 11 verse 5, it doesn't even fall. What we've just read, it doesn't even fall into the list of instructions for the assembly. This scripture must harmonize with the rest of scripture that we can do something about. When men and women are in mixed assemblies, the women were to keep silent. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in the church. Now, what if they don't have a husband? Well, their questions could still be directed to somebody else after worship. The point's being missed with a hypothetical, you see. You start throwing hypotheticals in and you're missing the point. The point was, in the order in worship, women were to keep silent. That was God's order of worship. We learn this when we look at all of God's Word. Relevant to us today, not just rip out verses. Here's another verse argument. It's another argument in another website group. You can go to gal328.org. It's another within the church website based upon Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Read, read it with me. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This verse has to do with both men and women being saved in Christ. But the argument is, because it says there's no difference between male nor female, women can be preachers, women can be elders, and women can be deacons and can lead singing. We talked about it this morning. This verse has to do with both men and women being saved in Christ. As I said this morning, being in Christ happens when one is baptized into Jesus Christ. When one puts Him on. And all who have obeyed are one in Christ. And we have all spiritual blessings. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 7. No matter the race, no matter the social standing, no matter the gender. That's what the verse is meaning. To God, women are heirs of the promise of Abraham, just as men are. Galatians chapter 3 is certainly in harmony as we read this morning with 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. We are heirs, men and women, are heirs of God's grace. But nowhere in Galatians does Paul allude to a woman being an elder or a deacon. Just because our teenage boys are Christians doesn't mean that they could be an elder. We all have certain roles that we're to play and that are spelled out in God's Word. Here's another argument. Acts chapter 18, verse 26. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God more accurately. Now, here the topic is Apollos. And how the husband and wife team of Aquila and Priscilla, they took him aside and they taught Apollos more accurately. Because Priscilla helped Aquila teach Apollos, women can be preachers in the pulpit today. That's the argument. Is it right? Again, the argument is taken out of context. We are certainly given an example of a woman being involved in the evangelism of the Lord's work, but notice the pronoun. They took Him aside and they explained and they were not in a worship setting. Here's another argument from two places in Romans. Romans chapter 16 verse 1 and Romans chapter 16 verse 7. Romans chapter 16 verse 1 says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church of Synchria. Romans chapter 16 verse 7 says this, Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Let's deal with Romans chapter Romans chapter 16 verse 1 first. The focus of that verse is Phoebe. A woman who was a servant. Now some translations have the word deaconess in the margin or down in the footnotes. The word for deacon in the original language means servant. That's what the word deacon means. It means servant. The argument is because Phoebe, a woman, was a deaconess in the early church, women can be deacons today. Again, we must look at the totality of God's Word. Look at these passages. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul writes this, Paul and Timothy, servants of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Notice what he said, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Paul and Timothy were servants, Diakonos, but not deacons. They were writing to overseers and deacons. But they were not deacons. It's translated what? Servant. They were servants. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect. Sincere. Not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. Did you hear the emphasis? 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Paul was a man, and a man could be a deacon. But he was not married and he had no children, so he could not be a deacon. That makes sense, doesn't it? Thus we learn that the word deacon is used in two senses here when we look at the totality of Scripture. One is of a servant. And untold Christian women today function in that regard, as servants. Helping in the Lord's work just as Phoebe did. But they are not and cannot hold the office of a deacon because Paul here, he gave the qualifications of a deacon or an elder, and forever, when he did that, he forever excluded women by saying, let deacons or elders, first Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, be the husband of one wife. They're forever excluded. By God's Word, not our opinion. I love the way Brother Barnes puts it. He puts it, he says, a deacon is always a servant, but every servant is not always a deacon. Do you hear that? Let me read it again. He says, He said, a deacon is always a servant, but every servant is not always a deacon. I like that. Back to Romans chapter 16, verse 7. Let's look at this. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen, my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Now, the argument here is that Junia was a woman and an apostle, so women can be elders and deacons today. That's the argument. Do you get that from that passage? First, we don't know from the original language if Junia was a man or a woman. It's one of those unisex names, Junia was. It could, be, could have been used for a man or a woman. I mean, how many of us know uh, an Andy who's a boy or a girl? How many of us know a Chris who's a boy or a girl or a Drew? It was the same in the first century. There are names that cross over. But let's say Junia was a girl's name. And Paul is talking about a woman. He's he's commending a woman named Junia. The context says Junia was of note among the apostles. It doesn't say that Junia was an apostle. We need to be sure to read what's there and what's not, and, and not read what's not there. I remember teaching Savannah to read when she was little. She was just learning how to read. And she would read and she would get a lot of it right, but then she would kind of make it up. She would look at the picture and just kind of make up what else was going on. I said, baby, that's not what's written there. You've got to read what's written there. I know, I like reading my way. Okay, we'll go ahead. And She'd read and talk about something totally different than what was being said. One more argument. Philippians chapter 4. Verses 2 and 3. I implore you, Odea, and I implore Suntike to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now the argument is these women were fellow workers with Paul. So that proves that they were preachers and that women and women can be preachers and elders and deacons in the church today. That's the argument. But this is a weak and ignorant argument, isn't it? I don't use ignorant as mean there. It's just how many women over the years have been a tremendous help to gospel preachers. without themselves addressing the assembly or the corporate worship. The Bible makes the whole thing clear if we just understand the plain teaching of the Bible. Mark these two passages in your Bibles. First Timothy chapter 2 verses 11 and 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verses 34 through 35. If we can understand these passages of scriptures and how they relate to each other, these passages of scripture most certainly explain the whole situation if we could just follow these if we could just follow these we 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 would never get tricked 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 11 says let a woman learn in silence with all submission and i do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over man but to be in silence that's very plain teaching and I can't add much more to it than First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34. Because it, it says the same thing. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. In, this, in the context of these passages, these were restrictions... That were put on men as well. And a proper understanding of these two passages will never give any woman the okay to be a preacher or an elder or a deacon. The New Testament excludes women for preaching serving as an elder or a deacon, taking a leadership role in the mixed assembly of men and women. We must be true to God's Word no matter the pressure from the inside or the outside of the church. We here at Fountainhead continue to rely on women of strength. Women must be involved in in benevolence. Women must be involved in edification, as we talked about this morning, in evangelism. Much of the work done in the local congregation could not be done without the women of that congregation. Women are worthy. Women are worthy of the great honor in all that they do. And I read this this morning. I'd like to close with it again. I got this from Brother Barnes from Red Boiling Springs. He's the late Brother Barnes. He died about this time last year as well. I read this 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 morning. It's in your bulletin. It's in the handout that I gave you. A strong woman works out to keep her body in shape. A woman of strength kneels in prayer to keep her soul in shape. A strong woman isn't afraid of anything. A woman of strength Shows courage in the midst of fear. A strong woman won't let anybody get the best of her. But a woman of strength gives her best to everyone. A strong woman makes mistakes and avoids the same in the future. A woman of strength realizes that life's mistakes can also be God's blessings and capitalizes on them. A strong woman walks sure-footedly. A woman of strength knows God will catch her when she falls. A strong woman wears the look of confidence on her face. A woman of strength wears grace. A woman of strength has faith that she's strong enough for the journey. And the woman of strength has faith that it is in the journey that she will become strong. As I said this morning, I'll close with it again. Sisters in Christ here at Fountainhead, be women of strength. Please, be women of strength. That's what I want for the women in my life. And you're part of my life. I want you to be women of strength. Not just strong women. I want to close, as I did this morning again, and I won't leave you much longer. We're about about to end. Uh, this has been a, a sermon that's been focused on what women can do and what women can't do in the body of Christ, biblically. And I haven't focused a whole lot, unless we read Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 and 28 and use that, I haven't focused a lot on the Gospel and, and what God wants you to do to be saved. As we talked about this morning, God's already done His part. Man has a part. And I ask you that we went through those this morning, the part that man has to play. And if if you believe in God, and if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if you believe that, why aren't you ready to repent? Why aren't you ready to turn your life over to God? If you're ready to turn your life over to God, Why not just take that next step and and say to everyone, like the Ethiopian eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Why not just go ahead and say that? And if you're ready to confess Jesus as Lord, why not just go ahead and be baptized into Him? Come right now, as together we stand and sing.